Hey, I'm Ben Ramos, and I get the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor. We are a church all about the authentic power of God coupled with sound theology. Because God's given us his inerrant, infallible word, and in it, he calls us to be people who are filled by his Holy Spirit, people who are empowered by his Holy Spirit, and people who are led by his Holy Spirit. As a local congregation, God's called us to help people take steps in their relationship with Jesus, to see them rise from death to life and glory to glory. I just want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. I truly pray and I hope that this message would be an encouragement to you and your life, that it would help you to recognize that the mission field is all around you and that it would help you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed. Hey, so we've been in this, uh, this series and in, in teaching. Um, essentially, it's just been the season that we've been working through. Um, and the season is entitled Others, going from love of me to love of thee. That means taking our relationship with Jesus from just a me thing and to recognize those other people. Um, we are fairly far along in it. We've been in this. This is like the majority of this year that we've been in this series. Um, and this is part 12. But just to do a little bit of of a recap. When we were talking about others, we started off talking about others being like Christians. How do we deal with Christians? Like, oh my gosh. How, right? Sometimes we can be so difficult. Amen. For real. And so we talked a little bit about that, like forgiveness and patience and grace and all of these important things. And communication is kind of a big one. And in fact, um, if you have any issues, we would love to communicate with you. Uh, if you have any questions, we would love to communicate with you. Communication's a big thing. Um, and then we moved on to like reaching others. It's this season, uh, the Lord had put it on my heart that we would get to see um, 100 people come to know the Lord, whether it's directly through here or through the various ministries that trickle out of here. I've prayed for 100. I think we're about like at 60. There's still plenty of time. Come on, there's still plenty of time. And so let's, let's keep praying for God to move. Let's keep saying yes where God would um, open the doors to us. And so we've been talking about reaching other, other people. Last week, we began a conversation, which is a two-part conversation on um, money. I know, don't do that in church. Uh, but I began just talking about this whole plague that we see within culture today. Um, and I named it, this is the, the, the Ben coined phrase for how I view our culture in terms of uh, how we deal with money. And that is the seagull term. That is the seagull culture, right? Because everyone's like, mine, 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 mine. Whenever we see any of, any of our our, our possessions, any, any, anything, we're like, mine, this is mine, okay? And so we're, we're addressing that. We don't want to be people who are conformed to, the, uh, to this world around us, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind, which means that we take what the Bible says, and we say, this is truth. This is, this is our truth. So again, the, the question, and I used this quote um, in the last message, 
but why are we talking about money at church? Right? There, there's a lot of people who believe there should be a distinction of money goes in this lane. That's my Monday through Saturday lane. And then Sunday should be church. Right? Well, we're talking about it because the Bible talks about it. Wesley Wilmer, in his book, God in Your Stuff, points out that possessions are mentioned 2,172 times, which is three times more than the Bible talks about love and seven times more than the Bible talks about prayer. And so we've, this has got to be something that we, we talk about, um, money. And we looked at what the Old Testament example was, right? God calls this people. He goes to Israel and he says, you will be my people and I will be your God. Here's how I'm calling you to live. And he gives them these instructions for how to live. And as we broke down the different times and the different ways that they would use their possession and their money and all that was coming in, we recognized that the bar was somewhere like 10 to 23%. This was literally what it looked like for giving in the Old Testament. Now, we looked towards the New Testament and said, all right, we are under grace now. We're not under the law. Um, but what does that mean? So what does that mean for our, for our giving? And uh, what we came to was that what the New Testament does is it introduces this concept of grace, this concept of grace. And what does grace do to the laws? We looked at Jesus' teaching. And what it does is it raises the bar. And so we asked the question, all right, so if tithing in the Old Testament was 10 to 23% and grace raises the bar, what does that need to look like in our life? Now, let me clarify, because I know a few people heard me falsely when I said that uh, in the last message. Some people heard me saying, I am going to ensure and I am requiring that you are Let's put it this way. You are requiring me to pay you 23% of everything that I own and maybe more. I want to reiterate that I'm not a police officer. I am, I, I, if I had my own choice, uh, money would have nothing to do with what I, what I do. Like, quite honestly, I, I just, but it's a reality. And the Bible talks about it. And the Bible gives guidance on how to deal with it. And so it is, it is a part of our, our life. So, th- Just to set the record straight, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I'm requiring you to do anything. The way that you should go about this is that you should consider what the Bible says. You should pray about it. You should seek wise counsel and talk it through with other people. um, And you should arrive at a conviction and you should commit to that conviction. This is the way that we should do life, step by step by step. When grace raises the bar to our, to our giving, to our, our life, um, I began to call that spirit-led generosity. Right? We, we should give as the Holy Spirit who lives in me, and I get an amen, amen. The Holy Spirit lives in me, and he can guide me to what I ought to be, ought to be giving. And so I want to continue this um, conversation. The whole goal of having this as a part of this series was to get to this point of how do I reach people and what does it look like for me to reach the world around me in generosity with the things that I have, my time, my talents, and my treasures. And so uh, the title of my message in part 12 is, I have it. I have it. Can we say I have it? 
Now, if there are people who need a little bit more gangster title, it's, I've got it. I've got it. Say, I've got it. And if you need a practical title, it is this. I have enough to be generous. I have enough to be, to be generous. And so I'm hoping that we would be able to leave this morning with this understanding and with this conviction that I've got what I need to reach the world around me in generosity because God is my provider. And so that's where we're going this morning. I want to paint a couple of different contrasts for us to grab a full understanding and a full vision for what I'm talking about here. Let's take a look at the world's economy and more specifically where we live here in America. Now, what, is, what does that look like? Well, beneath the ever-growing plague of consumerism lays the bedrock of the American dream. This whole idea that if I work hard enough, I will make enough money to have everything that I ever wanted and I will be happy. It's a twisted lie. With, within this speaking, it also says that I will be a generous person when I'm wealthy and I will give when I have enough to give. The problem with it is that you are the one dictating what enough is. You're dictating what wealth is. You're dictating, well, essentially, you're saying, I give when I want to give, what I want to give. Okay, so to me, I, tell me if I'm wrong, but to me, that says, I'm the Lord of my own life. That says, I, I, I'm choosing when I'm giving, and, when I'm, and I realize that this this may be stepping on a little bit of toes. That's all right. Father, I pray for steel-toed boots in Jesus' name. <laughs> right? Let, let's just take, take what we see the Bible saying and, uh, and, and chew on it for a little bit. But let's, let's look at the contrast. So if that's what this world is discipling us in, if that's what the world is teaching us in, in terms of how we ought to steward our money, how does that look different in the Bible? What is... What's different about it? And I actually find it far easier to comprehend what the Bible talks about in terms of the stewardship of money than I do of what the world does. It seems like depending on where you go, the different circles that you're in, and what happens if you're in like multiple circles, and it, you end up in this like Ben diagram. Get it, Ben? Um, it, haha, thank you. <laughs> that just happens. Gifting, anointing, call it, call it what you want. It's all right. Here's what the economic system of the kingdom of God uh, is based off of. It's this principle. God gives so that I can give. God gives so that I can give. Okay, so let's, let's look at this on a scriptural level because the last thing I want you to do is to come here and for me to tell you something and you just take everything that I say. Don't do that, please. If I, if I mess up and if I bring something that is false, I, I'm expecting that people are going to call me out. And I'm, I'm expecting that if it's not biblical, that we correct it. Come on. All right, so we see this on, on many levels. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Beloved, someone say, that's me. Let us love one another. For me, first off, as I read that, I'm like, all right, am I loving other people? I could, I could do a lot better. Okay, there's the conviction. Lord, help me to, to continue to live that out. 
Let us love one another. For love, where's it from? It's from God. And whoever has been born of God and knows God, or whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And so we see, think about where this love is coming from. Then where's the second stop for love and where's the third stop for love? It comes from God and it goes to us and it's supposed to be given to other people. And so the defining factor of us as being people of God is that we allow what God pours on and into us to flow through us on and into others. We're not supposed to be like a, a, a dam. No more dam Christianity, right? We, we don't want to be a dam where it's stopping everything from going. We've got to allow the Spirit of God and what God is providing us with to continue to flow, to flow, to flow through us. So God expresses his love for us so that we can love him in return and, and others. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Anybody ever experienced that? The God of all comfort? There's some testimonies there. Who, speaking of this God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction? so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by. So again, look at this picture. Where's the comfort coming from? Where's it going? And what's supposed to happen with it after? Right? We are comforted so that we can comfort others. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Come on, somebody, that is good News, that's a praiseworthy, that's a clapworthy. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I don't have to live the way that I lived any before, right? I'm a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through, Christ's, uh, through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us what? The ministry of reconciliation. So he's reconciled us to himself so that we now can reconcile other people back to him. This is this constant picture in scripture where God gives us what we need to be able to reach other people. The things that God gives to us is supposed to to go out and reach other people. The stuff that we have and experience was never meant to stop with us. If what God blesses us with stops with us and does not touch other people, does not flow into other people's lives, you're allowing your life to turn into a stagnant pond where things die instead of get refreshing and life-giving matter coming through. I uh, picked up our, our big swimming pool to put it away for the winter. Someone say, it's coming. <laughs> I saw some people rejoicing on social media this week. But, hey, (laughs) mixed feelings, okay, we can still love each other, stop causing division. Anyways, um, so uh, I picked it up, and there's just this stagnant water, and it was like, 
green and growing stuff. And I looked at it even closer, and it was just gnarly. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't want that to be my Christianity. Because I don't think that's biblical Christianity. I don't want to look like that. I don't want to look like pond scum. Okay? Come on. Like, I've got better hair than that. Okay? I don't want to live in a way where I am quenching the Holy Spirit. I don't want to live in a way where I'm getting in the way of Jesus reaching the world around me. So he gives us what we need to provide for, uh, for others. And I, I just wonder if you guys see the contrast between those two. One says, this is all mine. The other says, this is all God's. One says, who is God to tell me which fruit I can eat? And the other says, God's given me direction for my good. One is all about an idol of self where I'm the Lord and I make all my decisions. And one says, it's all about the lordship of Jesus Christ. He's my master. He's my director. I want to do everything that he calls me, calls me to, to do. Amen? So there's a big contrast there. I want to go one more place with the few minutes we have left. If you turn in your Bibles uh, to 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and nine, I just want to paint one more, one more contrast for us this morning. Um, as you would read through the book of Acts for a little bit of context of what's going on during this time, we see uh, Paul going from place to place, uh, and he is preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And as he's going from place to place, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is convicting of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, drawing people unto himself, helping them to see the truth and the reality of Jesus Christ. People are giving their lives to Jesus. And during this time, um, uh, during this time period, this was where uh, Claudius had said all of the Jews have to leave Rome. And so there was this major persecution, and there also happened to be a huge famine in the land. And so part of what Paul is teaching to the disciples, he goes very quickly from his soteriology to his ecclesiology, his um, understanding of salvation into what it looks like to be the church, to be the body of Christ, to be the people of to be the people of God, and he helped them to understand that they're saved into relationship with Jesus, and they are saved into the body of Christ, which, by the way, is not just here in this room, right? That's all the people of God all, all over. And so what he's doing during this time, he's helping them to realize that you're a part of something bigger than what's right here, and so we need to be aware of what is happening in the body of Christ elsewhere, And so he tells them about this persecution and stuff going on with the Jews. And apparently, these Corinthians are like, dude, we want to help. Let us in on that. We we want to provide for this this body of of Christ. And so um, as they do that, uh, we are getting into 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to read this quickly in verses 1 through 5. He says, what we want you to know, brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. We want you to know about them. Again, he's painting this contrast. He's saying, I want you to look at how this church has, um, has handled this, uh, this famine and how they've responded to Jesus. 
For in severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they're giving according to their means as I can testify and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly, begging, that's a strong word, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves to the Lord and then by the will of God to to us. And so, again, this church being contrasted in Macedonia, um, and they are being super, super generous, right? They're struggling themselves. They're going through hardships of themselves, yet they were still able to be generous. For me, that's an encouragement. Because that means I can be going through a rough season and I can still reach people through generosity. I can still love people through generosity. And this very much goes against this whole concept that says I have to have enough in order to give or I have to have enough in order to be generous. It depends on how you view enough. If enough is defined by the Bible and God providing everything that you need and that's always enough, then you're good. And to me, this is spirit-led generosity, what we're, what we're seeing there. But I wonder, how, how is it possible to have little and, let, and yet give, give much? How do, we, how do we live that way? Because does anyone feel like they have little? Maybe we don't want to raise our hands, but honestly, right? Sometimes we feel, how do we, how do we get to this place? It says, they gave themselves first to the Lord. It's that simple. It's that simple of, of saying, all right, God, you're my provider. You're going to give me everything I need. Everything that I have is to be used for your glory. And I'm in this relationship where I can actually talk to you and hear your voice and have your direction in my life, your wisdom. And I have people around me who are trying to do the same thing and can help me uh, walk through this. So we submit ourselves, we submit ourselves to God. I want to move on to chapter 9, 2 Corinthians 9, as Paul continues to write to this church. Verse 1, it says, Now it would be superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, this giving that you said you were going to do. I know you are, I know of your readiness, of which I have boasted about you to the people of Macedonia, right, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as um, I said that you would be. And so between these letters, something has taken place where they said, we're going to do this, we're going to be ready, it's going to be awesome, we're going to love, we're going to help in generosity, but they're not actually doing it. This reminds me of just the importance of accountability in our lives. Do we have people who we have said, who we have told, Jesus has asked me to do this. Please help me remain accountable to this. That's, that's a big deal. It's important for our walks in, in Jesus. Let's live accountable. That's what Paul is, is doing here. You said you were going to do this. Um, so let me, let me help you along. Let me help you get there. Otherwise, if some of the Macedonians come with me and they find that you're not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. 
So I thought it necessary to urge these brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance this gift that you have promised. In other words, I'm going to help them help you. Okay, I'm going to help you get to where Jesus is calling you uh, to get to. 2 Corinthians uh, 9, verse 6 says, the point is this, and this is, um, this is a big key. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So here's basically what it's saying. It's speaking in agricultural language. Um, it, it's not the uh, common like uh, teaching that people say, like, if you give 100 bucks, then you're, you're going to get three trucks. I don't know, like, does that rhyme? I, <laughs> right? Or, or whatever, this, this wealth, prosperity, whatever. This is speaking in agricultural terms. And so it's saying you can't expect to receive back like 300 heads, heads of corn if you only planted 10. That doesn't, it doesn't make sense. We've got to, we've got to sow. We've got to... Um, Yeah, we've got to throw out those seeds. Verse 7, each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. By the way, if you didn't realize, this is the reason why we don't hold bags over you and demand that you put money in it. It's not COVID that changed our, our mindset. It's actually this verse. We just felt like, I mean, the only other place that happens in society is like bank robbers. They're like, Put the money in the bag, right? That, yeah, uh, yeah. So, if you're looking to give, we've got baskets at the front and the back of the room, and a box out front if you happen to miss service. But that's the reason. Um, the reason for that. Verse eight. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God gives us everything that we need. He continues to provide seed for the sower. He continues to give us what we need to be be generous. I want to just leave you with a few points if you're taking notes. When you give generously, you can expect a few things. Number one, you can expect more to be made available to you. It says in 2 Corinthians 9.9, As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of righteousness. You can expect that as you give generously, more will be made available to you. You can also expect that thanksgiving to God will be activated. People are going to thank God because of you giving generously. You can see that in uh, 2 Corinthians 9.12. I'll let you look at that later. Finally, when you give generously, you can expect to look more like Jesus. He's the most generous man that ever lived. He's our perfect perfect example of of generosity, right? I remember this this story, uh, or I remember this time with with Zadok. Uh, He's six now, but when he was like, had to be like three. Um, I had taken him out of bed, and now we're going down the stairs. And I say, "Son, just grab the rail. Like it's important, so you don't like fall down." And go <laughs> right. Uh, so he won't grab the rail, and I'm like, "Why won't he grab the rail? What's what's going on?" 
and I pry open his hand, and he's got his gummy bears that he's had in there since his nap. But his thing was, I don't want to open my hand because I don't want anybody to take away what I have. Uh, like, all right, let's not be toddlers in the way that we live with Jesus, right? All right, let's close this off with a few things, um, a few ways that we can give, a few ways that the Bible would show us we can give. Lori, if you'd come and help me close this up. So what do I have to give? And, and I want us to be processing this. What do I actually have to give? And how do I use what I have to reach the world around me for Jesus? Where and how can I give? So number one, we can give to the work of ministry. We see that Jesus' ministry was able to take place because of people like Mary, because of people who poured into him um, and and supplied like food and housing and things like that. So give to the work of ministry. Give to those in need. I feel like one of my convictions is that I just always want to be available to give if someone is in need around me. And what could that look like? It doesn't have to be extravagant. I've given out the backpack idea of like grabbing a few backpacks when they're on like dollar deals at uh at Walmart or something and putting some, some good stuff in there and um, being able to give that to somebody. But just think, like the, the possibilities are endless for how you could be prepared to give to someone who's in need. Jesus gave so much emphasis to caring for the widows, the orphans, the, the marginalized. Let's be ready. Proverbs twenty one thirteen says, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Let's, let's continue to have eyes to see the need. You can give of your property. A man named Joseph gave a tomb for Jesus to be buried in. Um, I, I had friends in Washington who bought this like vacation property on the water specifically for people who just needed to rest and he would open this place up and have it like just stashed up with really cool stuff so that people could go and rest and they would pray over the place and just that it would be a place of the presence of God that would minister to, to people as they would come there for rest. What about giving of your time? We've, we've got time in some seasons more than others, but what could it look like for you to give some of your time? And then finally, giving of attention. You've, you've got attention. You can sit and listen to someone's story. I feel, like, I feel like we could probably shift America by listening to people's stories. Think of like the amount of um, psychologists and psychiatrists and, and all, of that, all of that stuff, which is important, don't get me wrong, but what if we just listen to people's stories and put a fresh importance into spirit-led people ministering to the people around them? We've got enough people in this room to transform this city. And there's not a whole lot of people in this room. We just got to be available and empowered by God. God's gonna continue to provide. I just have to ask him what he wants me to do with, with my stuff my time, my treasure, and my talents. This is how we reach people. It's simplicity. 
God, what do you want me to do? Let's be like Jesus, right? Would you guys stand? Father, I thank you for the way that you've provided for me. Even in the seasons where I felt like I just didn't have enough, I I can look back now and say, whoa, you were providing for me in that season too. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us in a supernatural way, that you would help us to understand uh, the reality that you're here with us, you see every need that we have, and you're sovereign. You, it's, it's nothing for you to provide for us what we need, and it's nothing for you to provide for us for the needs of others around us. And so, God, I, I pray that you'd help us to walk in that mindset, that we would be free to give, that we would recognize that I have it, that I've got it, that I have what I need to be generous and reach the world around me. Father, we do just pray over that, God. We pray over our region. We pray, God, that you would continue to pour your spirit out, that you would continue to help people to know you. Lord, and just like we've been beginning to see, like you've been just drawing random people in through church doors. You've been healing bodies. There is an increase of the work of the Holy Spirit And we just say yes, we recognize it in faith, and we continue to say yes, and we call out for more. God, we want to be used by you to literally transform this region. And so do it, God. We are just here as tools in your hand of instruments of righteousness, and we say yes to that. Father, I pray for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit, that courage would come on your people, that boldness would come on your people, and that we would go in the fire of God, bringing this transformation for your glory, for your glory, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us. If you have been blessed by Rise Church, be sure to follow us and share it on your social media. You can subscribe to a podcast, and if you haven't had a chance to give yet, you can do so at risechurchid.org or send a text message with a cash amount to the number 84321. And remember that the mission field is all around you, so go in the power of Jesus and bring that transformation for his glory.